The spin is supported by NatWest. Why? Because NatWest loves cricket. The skills it teaches and the communities it creates and want it to be easy for everyone to get involved. To find out about how NatWest is helping make cricket open to all, search NatWest Cricket. It's the spin! Normally I record this bit of the podcast before the guests get here, but today we are all actually together in the studio watching the England game. And we're going to record the show as soon as the game's finished. We've got Jeff Lemon here, Guardian writer and officially busiest man at this World Cup, I think it's fair to say. Comedian Ian Moore has come all the way from France and he is currently tucking into the fromage and pineapple sticks. Carmilla Shamsi is the award-winning author of Home Fire and a huge cricket fan, so I want to get her perspective on the game that Pakistan will play against India at Old Trafford this weekend. So we're going to finish the last of the pork pies and talk about the game after this. It's good. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the spin! Welcome to the spin. If you haven't seen the England-West Indies game yet, then spoiler alert, I won't tell you the result just yet, but I will tell you that Chris Wokes batted at three. After a historically wet World Cup week left those at the grounds with damp bottoms and those at work with nothing to distract them, we're rewriting the rules on what to do when it rains. And as England's women win their one-day series against West Indies, we try to claim that we had something to do with it. It's the spin! I'm Emma John and this is The Spin, the Guardian cricket podcast that's so enthusiastic about the game we'll sit out in the rain until even the umpires have gone home. Pass us that thermos. I have mentioned our oval table here in the podcast studio before, but I think I just need to update you before we start. It's always been a work of beauty. Our producer spent some hours turning it into a lovely green oval with a pitch and a boundary rope. And for a while, our fielders were all cakes and pastries that got gobbled up at the end of a recording session. But, and he's probably not going to like me telling you this, he recently went back to his parents' house and has rescued from, I don't know, his attic, his childhood bedroom, a complete set of figures from the original Test Match cricket tabletop game. So my guests are now essentially positioned ready to play a game of cricket's own Sabutio. And here they are. We have Jeff sweeping the cover boundary. Carmilla is at long off. Ian's at long on. I'm at deep mid-wicket. And of course, there's a picture of Michael Atherton and an empty chair just in case he ever wants to pop in at fine leg. As usual, I have an easy question for our guests to get you warmed up. And as it's Father's Day in the UK this weekend, I would like to know which cricketer you'd most like to be your dad? Jeff, let's start with you. And, you know, I know everybody has one, so don't pretend. Well, I mean, just before I do that, you were trying to make out that the producer was a bit sad for having gone to get Test Match. You spent about six hours painting several chickpeas to look like cricket balls with nail polish and have brought them in so that there was appropriate uh, detail in the match that's happening on the table. I just didn't want him to feel like the only one. Um, which cricketer do I want to be my dad? I think I've always really wanted to get a hug from Aaron Finch because he looks so huggable. He's like a brick of a man and he yeah. has like quite a nice sort of fuzzy beard. I mean, I'd need to be a kid because he's about a foot shorter than me, so it wouldn't really work out so well now. But if you were a kid and Aaron Finch hugged you, you would never feel safer in your life, I think. Oh, he's just so lovely. stable. Oh. <laughs> Carmela, what about you? Well, I gave this some thought and I realised that I couldn't think of any of today's players as my dad because they're all younger than me, which is a very depressing thought. But I did then think that, you know, Pakistan's first legendary batsman, Hanif Mohammed, 
And I have a very specific reason for this, which is I was talking to some of the women who were involved with Pakistan's first women's team. And they said all the male players at the time were very disdainful. And then the legend that is Hanif Muhammad didn't just turn up and, you know, watch them practice. But when the Pakistan cricket board didn't allow them to use any of the official stadium, he introduced them to the man who had laid the pitch at the Karachi's National Stadium so that they could hire him to go and lay a pitch for them. And I thought, that is the kind of thing you would want a dad to do. That's so true. <laughs> he sounds delightful. Doesn't he? Yeah. Ian. I, in a similar vein, I couldn't go with a cricketer who's currently playing because there's so much cricket going on that there'd be an absentee father. And, this, and that goes the same for commentators as well. I think I've got this theory that you're never more than five minutes away from hearing Ian Bishop's voice. But as a dad, I think I'd go for Clive Lloyd. Oh, good choice. A great big bear of a man. You'd always feel completely secure with him, but also there's that devilry with him. Because I didn't know this story about him dropping Geoffrey Boycott in the 1979 World Cup final, where they thought it was a better tactic to keep Jeff Boycott in. at the crease, yeah. batting for 60 overs, knowing that they'd win if he was there at the end. So Clive <laughs> Lloyd dropped it, which is a wonderful story. Yeah, he's a, he's a smart guy. He's a smart cookie. Uh, we're only half a dozen episodes into this podcast, but we've already proven we can spot talent. Bryony Smith was a guest on our very first episode, and we were beaming like proud parents ourselves yesterday when she was handed her England cap ahead of her senior international debut against the West Indies. Strangely, she didn't want us standing on the sidelines, holding her jumper and shouting that we'd love her whatever she did. But we did catch up on the phone, which is honestly the best you can hope for from them at this age. It was another comfortable win for England's women in a rain-shortened game. There were half-centuries from Amy Jones and Sarah Taylor and an incredible horizontal diving catch-up point from Fran Wilson as they bowled West Indies out for 131, winning by a 135-run margin. Bryony got her first ODI wicket and a run-out, and I caught up with her earlier today. I started by asking her when she'd found out she'd be playing in her first ODI. I found out on Wednesday at training. Mark Robinson pulled me to one side and... So congratulations, you're in for tomorrow. Is it very exciting? <laughs> it's a great moment. And you got handed your cap by Ebony Rainford-Brent, who's your friend and your boss at Surrey. <laughs> that must have been a nice moment. Yeah, that was really special. Um, I've known Ebony for few years and she's helped me a lot during my career. So to have her there and she gave a little speech as well, which was lovely. And to have someone that means a lot to you present your cap is really special. That is lovely. What about taking the field for the first time as as a senior at England international? Uh, it was nerve-wracking, to be honest. Especially when I was given the ball for my first day. I, I was quite interested to know what my heart rate was. But um, <laughs> no, I was once I got the first few balls out of the way. I've settled into it quite nicely and relaxed a bit more, which is good. And a run out? Yes. Interesting calling, but it says my name on the sheet, so I'll take it. <laughs> How many messages did you have on your phone when you finally got off the pitch and got handed your phone back? Oh, it's been mad. It's been going off all day still. You know, Twitter notifications, Instagram and messages from family and friends as well. So my phone hasn't stopped buzzing all day. Amazing. And tell us about that Fran Wilson catch. Where, where were you stood in the field for that? Uh, I think I was at mid-off, so I didn't see much of it, but I just saw her dive and then Danny White jump on her. So I just assumed that she caught it and started running. It was amazing. It's, it's one of those ones we're all going to watch back a lot in slow-mo, I think. 
I don't think we'll see a better catch for a long time. It was amazing and to be there to witness it on the pitch is amazing. Awesome. We're so proud of you, Bridie. We're so pleased. Um, Just really looking forward to seeing you playing for the rest of the summer now. Thank you very much. So let's get on to the game we've all been watching today. (laughs) Joe Root has just been cheered off the pitch, having just managed to get in his century before England completed their eight-wicket win over West Indies. He also contributed to, frankly, unexpected wickets with his spin, I would say, as West Indies were bowled out for 212, leaving half a dozen overs unused. Let's talk about this. We've all been sitting here watching it for a while uh, and, and the writing was on the wall for quite some time, Jeff. Yeah, it, it was. But when you are losing wickets to Joe Root, you know you're not necessarily cricketing at the absolute peak of your powers. <laughs> he, he's a little bit underused, I suppose, at times as a bowler. But I particularly liked the, the dancing bit that he popped in after he took his first wicket. I think he wasn't expecting to take it. There were some real moves happening out there in the middle. So it, was, it was joyful sort of cricket, which is nice to see after we've had so much rain. But it's a bit of a anti-climax from the West Indies. They were just so extraordinary in their first match against Pakistan, and I was thinking, "Hello, this is you know this is a side that really could shake some teams up." They should have beaten Australia. They threw that game away twice, once in each innings, uh, and then they just really weren't in it today against England. They didn't have a, a second gear basically once a couple of early wickets went. So many of us love watching West Indies. How did you feel, Kamala? Were you disappointed with their showing today, Kamala? I was because, you know, those first few overs when Chris Gale was batting was so much fun and you thought, right, this is going to set the tone for the whole thing. And if you don't love the West Indies on form, then you really are missing a piece of your heart. You know, even when they were devastating Pakistan the other day, I won't say that was fun for me, but I did think, well, if it has to be anyone, let it be the West Indies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a feeling. It was funny. Chris Gale definitely and many of the players did seem to be having a good time out there, well, that, but they weren't bringing the performance in. That was kind of surreal in itself, wasn't it? In that it came across almost like an exhibition match. They seemed to give it up pretty early on and Chris Gale was playing up to the crowd and it just didn't have the feel, the intensity of a World Cup match. I mean, West Indies, I think West Indies are a lot of people's second team and I had them down as, as dark horses to go a long way in the time. But you look at that match and you think, I don't know, maybe they've got hypothermia. Yeah. And it's really affecting their performance <laughs> because it just didn't look right. It, didn't, it certainly was a world away from the West Indies team the other day. I definitely agree with you about them feeling to give it up quite early. I mean, England took early wickets. They took three very quickly. And, I mean, Jofra Archer, again, looked fantastic. Mm. That was always going to be quite an exciting matchup because of his Barbadian background. Yeah, but look, they were three for 52 Any team is three for 50 multiple times during a a campaign as long as this one. You have to be able to bounce back from that and score a decent total. You know, Australia did that against the West Indies. They were six for 150-odd and still made 280. You have to be able to find a way. And it just looks like there's only one gear. There's only one way that they play. Andre Russell has, against Australia and again today, just comes out and tries to pulverise everything from ball one. And you think, look, that's great if there are 18 balls left in a T20 match in the IPL. It's not great when there are 35 overs left in a one-day game. That's not what you need to do. You know, it doesn't mean you have to go into your shell, but you can't just be trying to twat the best bowler out of the ground. <laughs> well, not even the best bowler. I mean, Joe Root seems to have a bowling hex over the West Indies. Didn't he, didn't he take the wickets in the T20 final? I know England went on to lose that game, but he took three quick wickets against the West Indies in that match as well. So clearly he's got them. He's got their number. 
as. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought the, the contest against Archer might be more fun and bristling than it was, yeah. actually. I was looking forward to that as a sort of mini soap opera, and, and then it that just That was kind wasn't, of a non-event, wasn't it? Really it really was a non-event. And, and they interviewed I mean, he did Archer very well, but, afterwards, yeah. and he just said, it's just another game. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, well, he said that, that, but you know, know but he but didn't go into isn't. thinking it's yeah. just another game, and no one thought that's just another bowler, right? In fact, the worst thing, really, that happened to England today was two of their key players pulling up injured I mean I, I certainly uh, a little shiver went through me as Jason Roy pulled up in the field clutching his hamstring was it anybody else worried about that yeah Roy Morgan is a famous um, research polling institute in Australia that they do opinion polls but uh, 99% of England respondents were not in favour of the injuries today <laughs> it makes you nervous if, if you're an England fan I mean they say oh tight hamstring back spasm they play them down and just make them sound like little issues but there's not that much backup there really when you look at it they've they've had Alex Hales as their backup for several years he's ready to come in and do the same job he's been schooled in the same way that this squad operates he's not there anymore James Vince is there if you want a beautiful 36 he'll probably give you one but is he going to replace <laughs> Owen Morgan well as we've seen today it's all just a question of moving Chris Wokes up the order I didn't know what was happening when Chris Wokes came in at Again, three but that, that, that's the kind of surreal kind of nature of this match that it did feel it felt like mm. an exhibition match I I didn't play much cricket when I was young because I was rubbish I remember one school match we were bowled out for 18 but there was so much time left we decided to play another match as it were and their team they decided to bat but their bowlers would come in before their batsmen to try and give us some chance mm-hmm. and it felt a bit like that today yeah you did sort of like oh the first wicket's fallen and it's Frank Lampard coming out to bat <laughs> <that>. oh <laughs> who would have thought that <laughs> I also feel like we should be thanking you Jeff for some of England's victory because you took a wicket every time you left the room today yeah I spent a cumulative six minutes out of the room and I missed about eight of the ten wickets. I did get to the point where I just wanted to send you away and, and you very obligingly did go. Yeah, I, you, I left, I wasn't welcome. <laughs> you left and went to the Oval which and was a bizarre thing to do. I had, I had a similar thing, I was trying to listen to the match on my phone on a train via train Wi-Fi which is a mythical beast. Mm. It doesn't exist at all it's like the economic trickle-down effect, there's just no evidence of it ever existing at all so I, I think I missed most of the wickets as well because of that. Well I was watching it and because I was watching it it meant my father had to watch it because there's only one TV and my father is a cricket fan but it says something about this game that at some point I started to feel guilty and I said to him <laughs> you can switch and then he started watching reruns of Friends instead <laughs> so, you know uh, we've got Afghanistan on next up against England on Tuesday um, and the ICC sent an email yesterday saying there's still some tickets available for this so if you haven't seen a World Cup match yet and you want to get on their website I would say it's been a disappointingly soggy week Since last Friday, half of the scheduled eight games have been abandoned with no result, as parts of the UK were hit with over a month's worth of rainfall in the space of a few days. The ICC called it extremely unseasonable weather, although that does suggest they've not visited in June before. (laughs) Sri Lanka have now lost two of their nine group stage matches to the weather, while India, New Zealand, Bangladesh, South Africa, West Indies and Pakistan have all missed a game each. Only England, Australia and Afghanistan have managed to complete all of their scheduled matches. 
In this tournament, when rain intervenes, the teams share the two points available. Uh, then they get on the coach and head off to their next match, presumably. But do we think there's a better way to reach an outcome? Ian, have you got anything you would rather see than just a drab day and, and then everyone heads there's, off? I think there's loads of options here. There's uh, One, move the entire tournament to Liverpool because that's how Lancashire won the county championship by having Old Trafford redeveloped so they had to play in Liverpool for an entire season. They are actually able to finish matches. But another thing, I think there's a way here, if we think around the subject, there's a way here that you can bring in terrestrial TV, which is what everybody really wants, and more terrestrial TV involvement in this. So I think what you do is, if it's going to be rained off, you will have filmed an episode of Flog It already with a team captain from each team going around the antique shops and seeing who makes most money out of an auction. That would be the way i do it, and, and that would involve the BBC. That sounds fantastic. It did get the new viewers in, the, the, <laughs> the flogger viewers, which is what cricket needs. What about you, Camilla? Is there anything you would like to see to, to decide a rain match? No, I love the fact that it's cricket and somewhere deep in the DNA of cricket is the idea that many games don't end in victory and loss for either team. <laughs> Just embrace the fact that this is it. However, if we are going to say, well, let's have you know a way of coming with an outcome, we need to acknowledge that it has to be completely arbitrary and nothing to do with actually playing the game because nothing is going to substitute for it. Um, so I thought maybe there could be a sort of sledging competition for which team sledges better. And it's a way of encouraging, I think, more sophisticated sledging. Because you can't stop sledging in the game, so you might as well improve the quality of it. Oh, wait, so you would kind of... Rank this on what mm. sophistication and wit. 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 I think really you would you would have to have a really think through your panel of umpires for this. You know? It'd be like a poetry slam, but yeah. I think we insults. could. The four of us. Wouldn't in that this really room. test Australia's resolve though? Because yes. Australia trying to move away from all that behaviour. I don't mind but... testing Australia's resolve. I'm really fine with that. But, <laughs> but they have to. They have to then be witty. You well, see, that would right. test them more that than the resolve. Test most <laughs> yeah. people's resolve, yeah. I think. And you'd have to take into account translation and cultural codes. It'd be a really fascinating thing to develop. It's, yeah. it's almost a way to world peace. Mm. Jeff. Or the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just cruel on the Australians. They're trying to give it up and here you are just dangling. Oh, would you like a drink? Oh, yeah. Well, they're in rehab right now. And you're I'm just, trying to improve. You're just this. clinking champagne glasses outside their window saying, yeah. why don't you come out for the, just for one? Just for one? Yeah. So my issue with something like a super over, for example, you know, which is essentially cricket's version of the coconut shy, as far as I'm concerned, the, the problem with that is you've still had to sit through an entire day of rain mm. in order to get this, you know, last minute little... You've still got to get on. They still have to give you a pitch you can bowl on for a super over and that, that hasn't been possible at any of the games we've been at, so... Yeah, because you have actually had to sit through quite a lot of rain this last oh, week. Oh, yeah, yeah but there's been more time watching rain than watching cricket. But we got a match in Taunton on Wednesday, the Australia-Pakistan game, which it threatened to rain but didn't for the whole day, so that was nice. What do you do um, in the press box when it rains all day and you've, you've got nothing else on? Do you, do you sit and watch these boring, endless retakes of games from 79? Sometimes if you're doing the Guardian live blog, you end up blogging those games because there's nothing else to do. So you say, oh, well, all right, the uh, West Indies versus India in the 1983 World Cup final. Let's see how this one turns out. <laughs> and otherwise, we, you just have a lot of emails about whatever it is that you were talking about beforehand. So we had several hours of correspondence on drones and from engineers because we were trying to work out how to float a canopy over the top of a cricket ground that could waterproof it without blocking out all the light. So we've got, you know, about two dozen engineering OBO readers working on that as we speak. 
the OBO audience is a they're a, they're a very clever bunch. They're a mine of information. They really are. So I think I would quite like to see um, an all day Dungeons and Dragons game. That's what I would like to to decide it because that could go on while people are still padding up. I think there's also a lot of merch opportunities nobody sort through because yeah. you people dress up to play Dungeons and Dragons. So that's a whole other set of outfits right. that you could make for each team. Shouldn't it be called Dungeons and Drag-Ons? Ooh, yeah. Let's market it like that. <laughs> when you, you play it a wide one outside off and you chop could, it back onto off stop. You could use what's there. Like Jeff was saying, for the Super Over, you obviously have to have a pitch to do it. But what yeah. you've got is just loads of soaking mats. Yeah. So what you could have is that thing where people slide yes. the distance on it. So the captain that slid the furthest... <laughs> Yes, that's it. That's it. And the captains, they go, they go through. They, they get to, the it's points. still a cricket skill. You have to slide in the field yeah. to save a ball. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's yeah. on the outfield. You get a certain run you, up, you and whoever can slide down. the furthest solved it. On the last podcast, we paid tribute to Taunton Town Centre's excellent efforts to embrace the World Cup by creating the ultimate cricket-themed high street. Vic Marks and Spencer is right in the centre of town and is naturally the nicest place to shop. Uh, if you're not feeling that flush, you can head to Mowing Aldi. Thank you to the Guardian's Ali Martin for that one. We asked for your suggestions and you've been brilliant. Panel, we've been looking through these before the show. Which of the suggestions from our listeners stood out to you? Ian, you've got, you've got some there. I quite like Laura Ashley Giles because it, it's almost in keeping with the kind of character that you think Ashley Giles is. <laughs> I, th- I think you almost see him in a pinafore dress at home, <laughs> relaxing. I, I really like that. I, I, I came up with a couple of... T.K. Maxwell. Has nobody done T.K. Maxwell? T.K. Maxwell is a good one. Uh, I didn't understand Universe Hugo Boss, I apologise. Oh, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one who didn't no, understand No, that's a Chris Kale reference. Chris Kale's your man. Oh. He's the Universe Boss. Oh. It's the nickname I thought he gave it just meant you, I just thought it meant you both hadn't heard of Hugo Boss. <laughs> I've never heard of Hugo Boss. <laughs> no, who, who's that? I mean, All that is, is a pretty fancy yeah. high street if you've got Hugo Boss on it. It's probably St John's Wood High Street, I would mm. say. I was impressed by Vidal Sassungakara, um, both because Sangakara has very good hair, but also I think it's impressive to be able to work Sangakara into your high street. So I thought, well done for that. But I was also rather partial to Angus Fraser's Steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I was bewildered because I'm not from your culture and I didn't get any of the jokes. So. <laughs> what, what do you get on the Australian high street then? Uh, Mark Ram for cash converters. Ah, where you can change cash your... We've got cash converters. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't that... on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to everyone who left comments or tweeted or emailed suggestions. If you want to get in touch with us about anything, anything at all, you can tweet me at m underscore john or email us thespin at theguardian.com. Still to come, we look ahead to the weekend's big India versus Pakistan clash at Old Trafford and we wonder whether our phones hate cricket or just us. When Utoxeter Cricket Club had to leave their beloved grounds of 60 years, it looked like it might be the end for the area's only club. Enter NatWest Cricket Force, an initiative created to support community clubs across the country. They help them make a new home in a former cricket ground, breathing new life into the space and the team. Why? Because NatWest believes cricket should be easy for everyone to play. It's paired up with the Guardian Labs to tell more stories about experiences like these. Read them at theguardian.com forward slash natwest dash cricket. This message was paid for by NatWest. 
This is a spin, the Guardian's cricket podcast where you'll find lovely people like sports writer Jeff Lemon, comedian Ian Moore and novelist Carmilla Shamsi all talking about cricket. Two weeks into the World Cup, who are the players we think are owning it? I would like everybody here to give me their player of the tournament so far. I think this is the point in the podcast where voices might get raised, people <laughs> might start fighting. Let's start with you, Jeff, because you've seen a lot of these games. Well, you said before the podcast that you've been banned from talking about Shakib al-Hassan, so I'm going to nominate Shakib al-Hassan. <laughs> <No>! <laughs> because he's just been wonderful with bat and ball. Uh, his left-arm spin is so important to Bangladesh, and yet you forget about it almost every game until he starts bowling again because his batting takes precedence. But two fifties and a hundred so far in the tournament. The hundred was basically to avoid net run rate um, carnage against England. So it wasn't uh, he wasn't chasing a win for that one. But the uh, the fifty that he made against South Africa was vital to setting up that win. And the fifty that he made against New Zealand should have got them a win there, except the rest of them fell over. So I think he's been absolutely extraordinary so far. Unfortunately, not in a way that's actually moving his team up the table. I mean, isn't that an issue? Well, the rain hasn't helped because they've, they've been rained off as well. So, you know, their opportunity to get a win over Sri Lanka was one they could have almost banked, but um, that wasn't to be. So. Carmela, who's your MVP? Well, you know, I'm a Pakistani and a novelist, so it has to be Mohammed Amir for the pure narrative joy of his story. This is a man who, in the two years prior to this World Cup, had taken five wickets in ODI cricket, wasn't included in the squad, got a late call up. In that first match against the West Indies, we were so busy noticing total... I don't even know the word for what happened to the Pakistan's batsmen there, but the total <laughs> awfulness of it all, that we almost didn't notice that actually he took three wickets in his six overs. In the next match, he takes two. And then in this last one against Australia, he takes his first five-wicket haul and was just spectacular and made everyone else look incredibly ordinary. I mean, when you say he made everyone else look incredibly they were ordinary. <laughs> they were so ordinary. In the middle of ordinariness, he was just going on. And, you know, I mean, the thing about Amir is, of course, here was the great player who then, 18 years old, gets involved in spot fixing. And it's just horrible, horrible. And then comes back to play and his teammates keep dropping catches off him. And so his figures actually don't show how well he was bowling then. And you just thought, well, that's the end of it. That's the end of the story. And his story never seems to quite end. They're just, you know, there he is again and there he is again. And right now he's the leading wicket taker in this tournament. Yeah. Ian, is there anybody who has taken your eye? Well, it is, it, it, all the big beasts have sort of all made runs. They've all made an impact at some point. Like, you know, like the Warners and the Coleys and, and people like that. The Joe Roots. Let's just well, not let's, forget the Joe I was just going to say, you know, the, the greatest all-rounder in the World Cup at the moment is Joe Root. I think that the kind of player that's going to win the World Cup is going to be somebody in the middle overs who just has a spell that turns a match. And I think somebody like Jimmy Neesham. New Zealand are my new dark horses after backing West Indies to the hilt. <laughs> I'm going for New Zealand. That, it's one thing to have New Zealand as your dark horse. I think I think Jimmy Neesham is the darkest of dark horses. I horse. just think that it's going to be <laughs> He's a He's almost player, an invisible dark horse. It's going to be a player like that that turns it. I mean, that's, it's a fair point. I, I was at the New Zealand game where he, he took uh, five wickets, but it was against Afghanistan. He's um, just warming up. To be fair. He's just warming up. 
That was an, his opening salvo. Do not speak ill of Jimmy um, Nash. I'm sorry, I, I don't want to. They I, were all caught behind. They were good wickets. They he, were good he was wickets. Back of a length. He was nibbling it away. But I would say he was very much helped by the fact that at the opposite end was Lockie Ferguson, who was sending down exercises <laughs> that yeah, they couldn't get a bat on. Yeah, that's. But that's that's the team. That's why it's a great team, New Zealand. And Lockie Ferguson, by the way, just just as I put in my little my own little pitch for him, he has two of the top ten bowling figures of mm-hmm. this World Cup so far. And to be fair, in the sense that you're saying Dark Horse, I don't think anybody's even mentioned his name, really. No. He's up there. He was in my um, five best players of the tournament that we popped up in the paper today, I think, or went out, or yesterday. I can't remember. It's all blurred into one another. But Lockie Ferguson was first name on the sheet there. He's been tremendous. In the three games he's had, he's got a very attractive moustache as well. So And a good name. <laughs> It's and a, a great good name. name. It's a very good bowling attack, New Zealand, though, because Mitchell's sat there mm. as well. It does raise the question, can you be a dark horse when you're the top of the table and you made the final in the last World Cup? Yeah, I think dark that's horses get overused, but, but, doesn't it? But New Zealand are never talked of as winners, though, are they? No, yeah. that's because yeah. no one cares about New Zealand because they're small <laughs> and, and they get ignored. You keep, and, you keep your inter-Nissan rivalry <laughs> to yourself. I'm not, I'm not promoting it. I'm saying they get condescended to and they get ignored. Uh, but it doesn't mean they shouldn't be a dark horse because they're one of the best cricket teams in the world. Well, there are only about 10 Well, nobody should be exactly. <laughs> nobody should be a dark horse because there's only 10 teams in the tournament. Uh, the other thing we didn't mention, of course, was that Joe Root is now leading the runs table with yes. 279. And he's in, I think he's in the top five bowlers for his economy rate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Aaron Finch is just about leading the strike rate for bowlers, so let's not read too much into that. It's the spin! This World Cup has been played in an incredible atmosphere and nothing will be louder than Pakistan against India this Sunday at Old Trafford. It's a repeat of the 2017 Champions Trophy final, which, Carmilla, you were at. What was I it was. like that day? Oh, that was extraordinary because no no Pakistani expected Pakistan to win. Um, in fact, no Pakistani expected Pakistan to be in the final, which meant none of us had tickets. You know, I was given mine by a kindly English friend. Um, and you turn up and there were just you know, these few people in green among a sea of blue. Um, oh, it's just like the India-Australia game. Yes, pretty much. But it was, it was extraordinary because when India and Pakistan play, you're never quite sure what the atmosphere will be because there's so much off-field hostility. And you always sit there thinking, well, how will this turn out? And I'd been at Edgbaston earlier in that Champions Trophy when they played, where there wasn't hostility, but it wasn't a nice feeling somehow in the crowd. And that day, the day of that final at the Oval, I remember the teams came out and they walked out together talking to each other. And their body language was very relaxed and they were smiling at each other. And there was something in that that just caught the whole crowd. And everyone just stood up and, you know, applauded everyone and stood for everyone's national anthems. And I would like to say that I'm expecting that again. I'm not. Well, that's interesting because there's been a bit of controversy around this upcoming match regarding a TV commercial that's being shown in Pakistan. The controversy is actually goes back well before the TV commercial. So the TV commercial is, you know, as many of you may know, early in the year there was a lot of hostility between India and Pakistan. It's sort of an Indian Air Force pilot was shot down in Pakistan and was taken into captivity. And there was a video released of him. And in that video, there's a Pakistani army officer who's asking him questions. And this man, incredibly dignified, keeps saying, I'm not allowed to answer that question. I'm not allowed to answer that question. And the one thing he does answer is he's drinking a cup of tea. And the army officer says to him, how's the tea? And he said, it's very good. It's excellent tea. This made him hugely popular in Pakistan, I should say. Everyone was very pleased when, you know, <laughs> pr- Prime Minister, former Captain Imran Khan said, we're going to send him home. Anyway, With some tea. 
uh, some tea. Great so it, for it, tea was, it was actually the one human thing that happened in that whole conflict. So there has already been this incredible, really hostile crossover of politics and cricket, which has been really unfortunate because actually through the 70 plus years of India and Pakistan, when the cricketers come on the field to play together, they really leave all that off. The cricket teams always do whatever their boards are. Um, and this time that's not happening. And so then there was this ad, which was a spoof really of that video of the Indian Air Force pilot where there's an Indian man who's there and he's being asked questions about the World Cup and he keeps saying, I'm not allowed to answer that question. And then as he's walking out with his cup of tea, the officer said, leave the cup. And so that the, you know, the tea cup becomes a World Cup and all that. And Wow, it's it's quite. Yeah, there's you know, going to be quite a lot going on in this game. There is all too much going on in this game. Unfortunately, what's also going on is that the Indian cricket team is looking phenomenal, and the Pakistan cricket team is looking like who knows, who knows which version will show up. But Jeff, you saw Pakistan play Australia during the week. What do yep. you think their chances are? Uh, minimal. They have not a lot of options. Basically, their option is to bowl first and be extraordinary and have... I mean, Wahab Riaz bowled really well in the back half of the innings the other day and Mohamed Amir was delectable. If they could do that, if they can get early wickets, then India is still susceptible to pressure, I think, if they're... You know, they've got their big couple at the top, but if Rohit and Virat Kohli get knocked over early, suddenly their batting lineup looks a, a lot less imposing. But I think if anything else happens, I think if Pakistan bat first, they're going to struggle to make a competitive score, basically. Their batting's ropey, so they could maybe chase something that wasn't too imposing, but I don't think they're going to make a big one. Ian, you look like you, you had something you well, wanted to say. Well, it was... Well, Carmel was talking about the um, the tension that surrounds those matches. I was working, I was gigging in Mumbai um, in 2011 during the World Cup, and the tension in the streets when uh, when India played Pakistan in the semi-final was just, you know, you could almost touch it. But then the minute the cricket started, the streets emptied, and just everybody went back inside to, to, because it, it's cricket <laughs> and have a cup of tea. Absolutely. One thing has become very clear during this World Cup. My phone was not programmed by a cricket lover. Every time I try to type Moeen, it gets autocorrected to modern. But more interestingly, South African opener Aidan Markram is fragrantly replaced with marjoram. (laughs) (laughs) No idea what it thinks I'm trying to tell people. No matter where they're from, my phone doesn't like their name. So I've come up with a game I have provisionally called... (laughs) Which autocorrected cricketer is this? Catchy. Catchy. (laughs) How does it work? (laughs) I'm glad you asked, Jeff. Here are the rules. I'm going to read you the autocorrected word that's thrown up by my phone when I type in a cricketer, and you just have to tell me who I was writing. Mm. I'm going to ask you to shout your name as a buzzer. Okay. I'd like lemon, shamsi, or more. And there's going to be a point for each correct answer, and the winner gets... Apparently the winner gets our eternal admiration. (laughs) That's a great prize. Here's the first one. Get ready with your buzzers. Shaven Afraid. Oh, that was hard. Uh, I'm going to go to the producer's decision on this one. Jeff, he thinks you were first. Shaheen Afridi. Very good. Yes, correct. One point to Jeff. The next one, this is just a, a surname. Stoicism. More. Shamsi. Stoyness. Correct. Uh, Full name. Mister. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to let you have it. Marcus. Marcus Stoinis. Another surname for you, Southern. Isn't that just a surname in itself? 
What southern? Southy. Yeah, so, I mean, you didn't buzz, but I'll let you. Shamsi, something. <laughs> I think we're going to have to take a ruling. <laughs> uh, next one, again, a surname needs ham. Oh. More. I think that was Ian, yeah. Nation. Very my good, man. Yeah, I was just so excited by Jimmy Nation again that I couldn't even remember my I own name. I can't believe this man's come up so many times in this podcast. <laughs> Hasn't been mentioned once on the entire series. I could um, talk about him more. <laughs> please don't. There's another surname, Caretaker. No, they're struggling. I'm surprised at this. Even the Australian. Lemon. It's Alex, yes. Alex Carey. It is Alex Carey, correct. These last two are my favourites. Okay, here we go. Full name. I shan't, Thomas. Lemon. I shan't, Sharma. No, no wrong! I don't know if you end up losing a point for that. So now it's between uh, Shamsi and Moore. What was the name again? I shan't, Thomas. Oh, I didn't listen to you say the whole name. I know it now. You might want to focus on the, on the second part of the name. <laughs> it's a bit of a giveaway, Thomas. He was playing today. <laughs> Jeff, oh, would quite. you like... Oh, 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 oh. Uh, more. Yes. Or Shent Thomas. Yes. <laughs> I mean, really, the clue was in the name all along. <laughs> too uh, obvious, too obvious. Uh, and this last one, my absolute favourite. Fat dude, please. <laughs> Chancy. Yes. Faf to bless it. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that noise means that that's all we've got time for on which autocorrected cricketer is this. Let's check the final scores. It's three all to Jeff and Ian. Oof. Uh, we'll have so to settle this the old slip and slide. Way. Slip and slide. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did Jeff get the one he didn't buzz for? I don't know. I'm going to ask for the scorer here. Yeah. Umpire's decision is final. DRS. Uh, if anyone in the formats department at ITV is watching, you can drop me an email <laughs> at thespin at theguardian.com. <laughs> Thank you so much, guests, not only for uh, coming in to record this podcast, but also for just being here to hang out and watch the game. It was uh, made it much more entertaining that you were here. Thank uh, you. Thanks for the snacks. Ian, before I let you go, <laughs> I just have to ask you about where you live. Because I know that you live in France yeah. and that you live in the Loire Valley, but I believe that there's quite a specific reason that you chose the place that you currently live. There was live. a criteria involved that we couldn't move south, further south than Test Match Special Long Wave Reception would reach. So we're right on the limit of long wave reception in central France. <laughs> Even five miles further south, it's too crackly, it's unbearable. <laughs> so it wouldn't matter how good the wine was down there. You, it, <laughs> it was a combination. As long as I have a combination of, of wine, goats, cheese and test match special, I'm a very happy boy and that's, that's all I needed really. Can I also suggest that five miles further south could be the title of your memoir? <laughs> Thank you so much to Ian Moore, to Jeff Lemon and to Carmela Shamsi. Next time, Jeff's podcast husband, Adam Collins, joins us alongside comedian Andy Parsons and Tez Ilias. To make sure you don't miss that or any of the episodes to come, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. The Spin is supported by NatWest. To find out about how NatWest is making it easier for everyone to get involved in cricket, search NatWest Cricket.